It's the Questions Hip Hop Podcast. My name is Sean Kantrowitz. I'm your host. And this week's episode is a gem from the archive. It's a classic episode with producer Jake One. This was episode 88, live streamed on February 10th, 2021. Jake is an incredible producer, and it's almost hard to identify what his greatest defining trait is. It obviously could be his banging drums. It could be his imaginative use of creative sampling and live instrumentation. It could be the fact that he's got range. I mean, we're talking about a guy who has produced super dope records for everybody from Dr. Dre to De La Soul to Brother Ali to MF Doom to T.I. It could also be that he's had incredible, damn near unprecedented longevity in the game. And he's transcended many different eras and scenes. From G-Unit to Rhyme Sayers to, honestly, just in the past three years, he's produced songs for Freddie Gibbs, Larry June, J. Cole, Kalani, Nipsey Hussle, Future, Travis Scott, the list goes on and on and on. As is usually the case when we have producers on the show, we definitely geek out in this one. Lots of great stories and anecdotes, and I think you're going to dig it. If you're in L.A. this week, another thing that I think you're going to dig is Dre Day L.A. This Friday... February 24th. Go to DreDayLA.com to cop your tickets for the return of Los Angeles' celebration of Dr. Dre, held at the Echoplex and featuring a night of music by Dr. Dre and all of the affiliated artists you would expect, featuring DJ sets from Battle Cat and J-Rock, Residents Inca One and Expo, additional music by Mona Lisa, DJ Loser, and Endo, plus live hip-hop trivia courtesy of The Questions. And once again, we are pairing up with the Boom Bap Kids. We're going to be doing the $20 sack pyramid game. So don't miss out. Go to DreDayLA.com to buy your tickets, and I will see you out there. Big shout out to everybody who has ordered their copy of the Questions Hip Hop Trivia card game. It's available everywhere you get books or games. I'm going to be announcing some more live events around the country soon, actually, to celebrate the release of this project of mine. So be on the lookout for that, and you can visit QuestionsHipHop.com to order yours today. Special shout out to the Questions Patreon. You all are holding this show down, and in return, not only are you getting early access to episodes, but you're getting exclusive content that doesn't always make the cut, playlists, discussions, exclusive media, photos, videos, music, and more. And sometimes, as the members of the Patreon will tell you, you even get to submit questions that I ask guests. This show and this whole operation is 100% independent and self-operated, so I definitely appreciate any support I can get from listeners, even if it is only $5 a month, which is what the Patreon costs. Go to patreon.com slash thequestionshiphop or click the link in the show notes to join the movement. Thank you to everybody who has been subscribing and rating the show on the Apple Podcast app and leaving a review. Doing so helps boost the signal of the podcast, which in turn helps more people discover it, and that's always a good thing. So if you haven't done so already, leave a review today. All right, let's get into it. This is a classic episode of the Questions Hip Hop Trivia with producer Jake One. Who did it first? Who did it best? Who did it worst? That's the question. Who rapping there? That remix and what happened when? That's the question. Let me ask you a question. Hmm. And if you ain't know what needs, then my guy's knowing what you need. Some answers to the questions. 
we've been seeing a lot of you recently because you know more than ever we all have time on our hands now and i uh, right you've been doing the behind the beats uh probably more heavily than you've done in a while if ever right yeah i, I started just shooting them on my own uh with two iphones and uh yeah it was really just a quarantine thing but people really react to that shit so i figure i better keep doing them um it's kind of tricky sometimes it's like some things can't be revealed we gotta keep some things you know you can't you can't snitch on yourself that's like the number one rule in hip-hop production um so a lot of people want me to do certain ones and we, we can't you know we can't do that for for various reasons but i'm gonna try to be consistent with it and keep them coming you know i mean they're super great you know uh you're in my opinion i was just uh, telling somebody before we did this you know i think that you're one of the best hip-hop producers alive doing it right now um Thank you, you know a big fan and super prolific so you definitely you have the type of catalog that you can really touch a lot of different uh records you know everything right. from the stuff that you've done with tuxedo with mayor hawthorne you've got like you know underground records you, you you've sort of persevered through many different eras and haven't like really even gotten you know a lot of producers they kind of get stuck in a sound you and you're doing records for artists like today now where like I, you know, I wouldn't even necessarily expect, like, oh, yeah, that's like a Jake One fit. Right, um, right. Have you found that uh, that being kind of quarantined in the last, you know, nine months, whatever, has that had any effect on your productivity or is it kind of like same old thing? I mean, honestly, um, just not going on tour for a year. Um, I really got back into making beats. I kind of slowed down on making beats by myself, um, but just being home having a routine, it just felt like the old days before Tuxedo happened where I was just in here every day making something at least, even if I'm not, um, you know, working like 10 hours a day or nothing like that. But just the consistency, you know, you find a new groove and uh, yeah, it's weird. Now, now, you know, they're letting me do full beats again. I get to do drums again. <laughs> I wasn't getting to do drums for a while. So now I'm back on that. Right. Because a lot of you know, for those who don't know, the way that the production game has gone a lot, uh, and, and I, I've experienced this too because I'm a multi-instrumentalist as well, is that it's very collaborative now where you have right. guys who will just do the drum programming and then people who just make, you know, the samples, as it were. Um, right. So be, being a one-man operation, again, I, I would imagine it's like kind of going back to your, your original gig. It, it right? is, and like, you know, sometimes... I don't know. I love doing it all. I love to collaborate with people. That's great, too. I mean, that's been a crazy blessing for me. But there is something about just me sitting in here by myself and just, you know, working at it and catching the vibe. I feel like when I do that, it's a, definitely a more unique thing that not many people can do. Um, and I have my own sound with it. So that's it's fun. But, you know, it's like doing something this long, you just get bored with it. And, you know, eventually you got to, like, find a, a new twist on it um and that's more just like hearing new new producers i think are dope and i'll take something that i hear them doing and try to just incorporate with the shit i've been doing or what i'm good at you know right it's almost now like the instagram or twitter videos is like the new uh, beat tapes you know where you man yeah there is like an incredible amount of people that are just dope out there like I feel like there's somebody I find out about every day. I'm like, wow, that's really, really good. Because I don't think in the uh, when I started, the average person was not good at making beats. Like it was bad. 
Like, and I, I'm, I think I'm in my first beat probably like 93, 94. And if you just went to a guitar center or whatever, you would hear some of the most horrid shit ever. Like, just even like local demos, you'd be like, nah. And now I feel like the baseline is way higher because the technology allows you to do some of these things. They're a lot more simple. Just, just, I mean, I was explaining to like a 20, 20 year old the other day, like, just looping a sample used to be a crazy process, right? So now it's like you just throw that shit in there and it's like, click, done. Um, and, you know, it's good and bad. You know, like it probably raised the the baseline, the floor for people, but we're not getting as many weird, fucked up versions of things that we used to that would kind of come to you on accident. Right, a little more homogenized. But yeah, right. you know, I feel like whenever the, the bar, like the the access gets easier and then that's just going to allow the people who are always going to innovate to innovate at like a higher level. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and personally, I love seeing what the new technology can do and putting that shit what I do. I, there's always some new programs somebody puts me up on. And the funny thing is like older dudes telling me like Lord mm. finesse will show me some shit on Ableton. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I'm about to, I'm about to definitely work that. Um, so it's like just the producer community is, is dope and everybody's sharing, you know, the little tips and secrets. It didn't used to be really like that. So you was really about the people you were around. And that's all you could get. Or you just had to use your ears and try to figure it out that way. Right. It, we're all about the information sharing now, whereas before, you know, you had DJs and producers who would cover their records and, you know, right. really exactly. go, really be extra with trying to not share that information. And now right. we talk about this all the time. We've done events with the Beat Junkies Institute of Sound. Like, the Beat Junkies have a school for turntables. <laughs> right. Like, shout I out to I want to go them. in there and learn how to scratch, too, man. I want to be able to do the, you know, whatever, lobster flare, whatever they call that shit now. I don't know. <laughs> shout out to lobster flares. Um, so... We welcome you to the show. This is episode number 88. We've had, you know, a lot of guests on the show. And this is, you know, it's a, it's, it's a game show. It's trivia. But we also are just kind of talking about, you know, your career and also your experience as a fan. Because we're all fans right. of, of this music. That so, never stops. Yeah. Yeah, it never stops. So uh, if you're ready, I think we can get into this. Let's, let's do it. Um, and, I, you know, I always tell our guests this, that we sort of have two schools of thought when it comes to our, you know, guests when they play on the show. We have guests who are like, I'm going to go solo for Dolo. I'm not looking at the chat. And then we have some who are like, eh, if I don't know about this, I might look down at the chat and see what the chat. Can I turn saying. the chat off? I don't, I don't want to know what they what they think. I don't know if you can turn the chat off. Right, I'll, just, you... I'll try to put it like way at the top. So I'm not, I don't want the answers. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, Jake one has chosen his, uh, his path here. He, he's in the, uh, the first group. Fuck the, fuck the chat. Yeah. Um, all right, which we, we, we welcome both sides. And you can switch it up. It's all good. But we're going to hop into our first round. Okay. Uh, and the first round is called The Choice is Yours. This is our general multiple choice. Here we go. This successful soul and R&B singer started his career as one half of indie rap duo Eminon. Was it Trey Songs, Aloe Black, Miguel, or The Dream? Uh. Aloe Black for sure. He says Aloe Black for sure, and uh, he is absolutely correct. Yeah. Aloe Black in Exile, way back when. This is before I need a dollar. This is when he really needed a dollar. Uh, <laughs> he don't need it now. That's for damn sure. He doesn't listen. Aloe Black is is writing checks. I heard that commercial the other day. He's eating. Yeah. Um. So you know, 
this is an interesting th th you're you didn't work necessarily with Eminon that i know of but no you've had you know an interesting career as well and we sort of touched on it before that you started off as a traditional beat maker and then you right. sort of segued into this tuxedo project with mayor hawthorne um you know obviously you were saying that being on the road and and you know touring changed your workflow a little bit but what was the biggest thing that you kind of got from working with uh mayor you know you you'd done full projects with people before right. um but um, this was a different thing i'd never done a singing project um that was just purely singing so there was just a lot of things i didn't necessarily catch like uh i mean first of all playing the shit live oh my god like that was so terrifying at first <laughs> but um you know like it, like anything, you do it enough, you feel comfortable and you find your place in it. Um, I feel like he just, he hears the little things and, I, and I'm more big picture. Like I can start a million ideas and he can finish them and I'm not good at finishing <coughs> things. So it's like a perfect combo in that way. Um, he will sit there and like obsess over like one line. I'm just like, man, can we go get something to eat? Like, you know, I, I'm over it. You know what I mean? I'll come back to it on that's even how I make beats. Um, I'm not going to beat my head against the wall. So um, it's it's just been a crazy experience. I don't know all of it. Like, I just didn't think a lot of the things we ended up doing, I didn't think I'd ever do that as a producer. And especially it happened so, like, late in my career. It was kind of weird to, like, just jump out there and do that. But um, it's been dope. It's been really dope. And at the same time, it's dope to go back and do what I've kind of, like, been my traditional thing, too. So, you know. It makes like, you appreciate it more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. That makes sense. Uh, all right, we're going to hop into the next question. Question number two, doing good so far, Jake. Uh, all right, Method Man recorded a revised version of this wrestler's entrance song called Know Your Role on 2000's WWE Aggression compilation. So this was a compilation of, this was a compilation of songs where rappers, this was in the year 2000, they re-recorded the entrance music for uh, wrestlers. So... Who did Method Man do the Know Your Role song for? Was it The Rock, Stone Cold Steve oh. Austin, Triple H, or The Undertaker? Oh, man, I really have no fucking idea. This is crazy, man. Already <laughs> I'm missing one. Um, early 2000s, uh, who would be a wrestler from that era? Undertaker, I guess. I wasn't watching wrestling at that point. Mm. Um, Steve Austin looked like he was about the aggression. Uh, I'm a I'm a guest Steve Austin. Somebody's gonna be mad at me over this, but the, uh, yeah. See, Ashcat says this is when you need to use the chat, but Jake has chosen. Nah, fuck not, the chat. I'd just be wrong if I miss it. He's not using the chat. Okay, so we're gonna get into it. Uh, the answer was the Rock. Ah! I did the damn wrestling theme song and all that, and I still don't know. That's crazy. Well, listen, it's all good. We're not, we're not being hard <laughs> on you here. We're, 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 we're learning stuff tonight. Um, you know, you famously, or sort of infamously, because I yeah. feel like this has grown in, uh, in scale, uh, right. you were lacing beats for John Cena. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have a behind the beat on this for the time yeah. is now. You, you mentioned this. I actually uh, produced a television show last year, and we licensed the time is now for a segment uh, in the show. Because oh, yeah, I didn't get shit. 
I don't right. even know well, about it. <laughs> we, we, we talked about this because you yeah. had said in your uh, video that you mm -hmm. kind of took it. You, you took the money up front, uh, which was. I mean, it just wasn't even an option to get money in the back end. So it was one of those just do it or don't do it situations. But you live and you learn, you know. But I guess I should have been listening to the uh, the WWE compilation. I missed that. Definitely missed that one. <laughs> From what from what I understand, I don't think that you missed much. Like I, I don't think that this is held. There, there was a lot of weird compilations of that uh, era. Like See, if you would have asked me, like what was Slick's theme song or what was the Big Boss Man? Like '80s shit. That was when I was watching wrestling, and then I tapped out. But got it. I mean, yeah. which is fine. You know, there's a weird connection with hip hop and wrestling too. There's a, a lot of fanatics of one sometimes lean over into the other. Right. But, yeah, I don't think that the WWE Aggression album is uh, is a you know a classic that you need to unearth. <laughs> uh, I I will always go to bat for the Loud Rocks compilation. I don't know if you remember that, but this was like all the loud artists doing. Was uh, it like a rap rock thing or something like it that? It was a rap rock thing, and it's oh, pretty man. terrible. Yeah, I'm, I'm out on the rap rock. That's not for <laughs> me, man. Nah. All right. Noted. Noted. Uh, and the rest of the game is all about the rap next rock. one's Limp Biscuit trivia. No. <laughs> No, no, never that. All right, we're going to move on to the next one. Uh, here we go. Which of these producers did not work on Bilal's debut album, First Born Second? Was it Jay Dilla, Dr. Dre, James Poyser, or Q-Tip? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Q-Tip because I know Dilla did, I know Dre did, and Poyser was playing keys on a lot of stuff, so... All right, so producers are always the ones who are going to know about the I know, I know these ones. These, these are, this, is my, this is on my wheelhouse. We're going to take a little journey here and listen to the three of these names that are on there. So first we have... Fastlane, Dr. Dre, right? Fastlane, Dr. Dre, of course. What's the Dilla song called? Um, the Dilla song? I love this beat. Reminisce, I think. Reminisce, yeah. All right. And then... Yeah, James oh, man, I love this song. So the answer is Q-Tip. Great job, Jake. I'm back. I'm back. He's back in his producer bag. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of... Bilal was working with Dr. Dre uh, at this point. He was sort of in that fold, Interscope. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it almost seems like... like a, I guess it was a while ago, but you, you were very much in uh, the Dr. Dre camp for a minute in, like, the 2000s as well, right? I was doing beats. Uh, I had, like, a song deal with them, and I did a bunch of, uh, bunch of songs that... Mostly never came out, but the one that did was uh, Three Kings with Dre and Ross and Jay Z. So that Which, that was great. And what hey, one of the songs? One of the songs I did in that era just leaked actually, which is kind of crazy. I, yeah. I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, I saw you uh, post about it the other day. Right. Like, oh, like this is cool. <laughs> right. Because I never even had the song. Like I never even right. had it myself. I just heard it in the studio a couple of times. So. That's got to be like muscle memory, where it's like you hear it and then you 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 won't. Hear I just it again. knew I really liked it, and I don't always feel that way. There's actually another song that was my favorite out of those sessions that I'm kind of hoping somebody leaks. You know, I don't have it, so if it leaks, it's not me. I don't <laughs> have it, but it's a Snoop and Dre song that I would love to have a copy of. Uh, we would all love to have a copy of that. Yeah. Um, you you got to hope that at some point there will be like the anthology box set, but I guess with Dre, I don't think it's coming from. I don't, I don't think he'll ever do that, but I mean I'm shocked that his stuff got out because, like I said, they never gave me nothing. So right. and it was very, 
um, serious about all that. Like that was in the time this stuff was leaking. Um, I want to say there was a joint with Nas that Khalil did that was amazing. Um, topless. Topless. Yeah, somebody Woo! hacked an email or something, and uh, yeah, I mean at least we got to hear it. I guess you know. Top, I'm so geeked that you mentioned Topless because that drove was so crazy. It was like it, it felt like a level up from like 2001. Like it, it was, it was, a, it was just like a new version. Like Khalil, I mean Khalil is one of my best friends, so like I talk to him all the time. I always tell him like he just. It's unfortunate that people didn't get to hear what he was doing in that time because he really did some special ass music, you know. Yeah, like just a. It, it, that whole era was like a boot camp of like the Avengers, like just like getting really good. We might not have gotten to see all that, but obviously you guys have well, all. The, the whole thing, you know, at that time, all my favorite producers were signed over there. So high tech was there. Khalil was there. Danan was there. And I was friends with all these guys. So when I got that call, it was just a no brainer. I felt like I had made it. You know what I mean? It's like you get that stamp, especially being from the West coast. You know, it's just one of those things that, um, just made me feel like I had arrived kind of thing, you know? Totally. All right, we're going to move on to the final question of our first round. Which De La Soul album features more than one Jay Dilla production on it? Is it... I know this the already. What would you say? You know, you, I already you know, know the answer, but go ahead. Uh, well, no, fuck it. You know the answer? Let's dive right in. Hey, the grind date. Grind date, he says. Uh, this is kind of close to your heart because grind date is also a big right. album for you right uh, we'll, we'll it's the only one i have two two songs on with de la soul too <laughs> so there hey, you go like good company so yes we got, yeah. for, for for everybody uh these were the two songs that were on grind date all the others you know stakes is high obviously had title track then we had uh from the aois one each we had one of my favorite, like, it's impossible to pick a favorite Dilla beat, but that one definitely hits me, like, crazy. Flat. Um, Is this Peer Pressure? Peer, peer pressure. pressure, yep. Would be real. And then, yep, and then on uh, Grind Date, we had Verbal Clap. Or, yeah, Verbal Clap. And then... Yeah. There was only two. I thought it was more than that, but yeah, I guess the, his shit was so powerful. Just like I think maybe just was Fut no future wasn't Jay Dilla. I don't think no. Nah, that, was, that was Dave. Dave. I think Dave did the most beats on that album. Super Dave. I think you're right. Yeah, and this was obviously you had you know the, the standout. You know, and I think for a lot of people, this is still your, one of their favorite beats of yours is the Rock Cocaine right. Flow beat. Um, yeah, which. You know, I always wanted to know, wh what was the precedent for you doing that? You didn't really, to my knowledge, have a lot of beats where the tempo slowed. And I mean, the tempo isn't really changing. It's still on the grid, but like the quantization of it is changing. It's, but like it's, it's basically, um, I was listening to all that Rockefeller stuff at the time. Like the, uh, they just always had like a bunch of like kicks, like with the sample at the beginning, like dun, 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 dun. so I did that with the sample, and I don't know what made me just tap the tempo down and then tap it up, and mm. that was really I just put it on the beat tape like that, and everybody freaked out. Like <laughs> I didn't even really think about it that much. I didn't even know it was that special. I thought it was a dope beat, um, 
but I didn't, you know, I didn't know it was going to be that. It's all, you know, it's the song. A lot of times it's the song people put on it, too. Um, you know, I feel like some of the best beats I've made, maybe the right song didn't get to it, and then it's just another one, you know, whereas, like, you can have a good beat and then a good rap and a good song, and then it's special, right? And not just a special De La song, but also the alchemy of De La and Duke right. being on the same track. And like That was the that, first time I got to work with him, too. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. Man. So, uh, speaking of Jay Dilla, you know, Jay Dilla's on everybody's mm -hmm. mind, uh, as we always think about him in, you know, February. We've got Donuts, his birthday, and his, you know, untimely passing. Gun to your head, Jake won. Top three Dilla beats. Um, players. Uh, Slum Village, that's that's yep. definitely one of them. Um, uh, Turn me up, some Buster Rhymes. Crazy. Um, trying to think of another one. This uh, uh, is it the official, the Mad Lib one? Yeah, the official. Yeah, the no, official. no, 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 the red. That's what's called the red. Oh yeah, with that, that's one that has had some sample issues, and that's not on the reissue anymore. It's got, oh, it's sure. got, a, it has a different beat. Um, I forget. It, it's a beat that was used also. I want to say Raekwon rapped on it at some point. Oh, weird. Yeah, um, that's, that's strange. I remember working at a record store with somebody who had never heard the J-Lib album, and we had the reissue that had just come up, and they were really liking it. And we get to like, what is it, track five or six, the red. And the beat came on. It was a different beat. And, like, they just, they're like, why? What's wrong? Like, why are you guys making that face? And we're like, no, <laughs> you don't understand. Like, I'm sure from that even happened. So, like, I, I mean, I have my copy, so I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 you, whether you got the copy or the MP3, you know, just do the original red. And then, then I'd say the bonus beat, because I was really into his beat tapes. Like, and I'm not, I'm saying, like, actual cassette tapes, not, like, when people started getting them, but. Um, I met House Shoes in probably 98. Oh, wow. Went to, went to his crib, and he gave us uh, a tape of Dilla Beats. This was probably, yeah, 98, 99, something like that. But the, he had some beats on there that never came out that are just ignorant. There was one beat he did with Funky Worm that I, I just want a cleaner copy of. I'm sure I'll never get it, but, you know. That's amazing. That's, that one still, I mean. I know. I mean, I I listen to the B tapes probably more than even the stuff you have rapping on it because that's just let me just soak it up that way better, you know. What do you think about? I, I see. I've been seeing this online a lot, and people are associating Jay Dilla with the lo-fi sound. Like they're saying, like Jay Dilla was lo-fi, and I've seen a lot of people sort of. I think you. I mean, Donuts is definitely lo-fi, right? Right. But that was the only thing he did like that. So, like, I mean. Something like the stuff on Grind Date, like for him to take all them samples and have that shit that clean is the opposite of lo-fi. So, and most of the records he did were not lo-fi at all. I, I don't know, you know, I wasn't there, obviously. I don't know if his situation studio-wise towards the end, he wasn't able to clean it up in that way. But, I mean, it has its own charm too, right? I mean, I always thought that was kind of him just being around Madeline and more of a nod to that. Um, Absolutely. I think they definitely yeah. influenced each other at that stage right. of his career. Yep. Right. Uh, but shout out to House Shoes, former guest on our show. Shout out to Teray. I see you in the chat, Teray. What up? Another former uh, guest. You got hip hop royalty in the house. Um, all right, Jake, we're moving on to our second round. And the second round is called Picasso, baby. So in this round, crazy beat. Um, 
I am going to show you a piece of an album cover, and you have to identify what the album is by the little <laughs> snippet that you see. So That's funny. We, okay. <laughs> you see what we did there, the whole Picasso yeah. thing. Um, all right. So here we go. Uh, first album. We're looking at a hazy, almost sepia-like you know, color tone. We see some baggy long sleeve shirts and coats, and there's kind of hints of yellow, brown, and white in the mix. What album cover is this? Is it Cypress Hill's self-titled album? Is it the Murder Was the Case soundtrack, Souls of Mischief 93 Till Infinity, or is it Keek the Sneak, Sneak Asidal? That would be funny if it was Keek the Sneak, but it's not. Uh, I actually, ironically, listened to this album today, Souls of Mischief 93 Till Infinity. That flannel, you'd recognize it anywhere, right? I mean, I you know, I feel like a lot of record covers, I know them, but I don't really know what's going on in the picture. And recently I was even trying to think like, what is that? Are they in a, is, are those like walls next to them? Are they in a small like room? Cause they seem like they're right up on the ceiling. I don't know. It makes me think maybe, you know, the 93 to infinity video, they were very much in nature in the woods and maybe right. like, is this a cave maybe? There like, you go. There you go. Yeah. We're, we're, we're just speculating, uh, you yeah. know, when, when we get souls on here, we'll have to ask them. But the Bay was a, a pretty pivotal uh, force in your career as well. You've always, yeah. Um, wh how did that connection come? Obviously, you're in Seattle, but did you ever live in the Bay? Or I lived in Oakland for a year, actually, in 2007. It was when I, when I actually quit my job and stopped being that dude working a job and uh, started doing music. I just wanted to try living somewhere else. So I lived in Oakland for a year. Um, I loved it down there, man. I, I made a lot of friends. I mean, Seattle has always been super inspired by the Bay, um, you know, from two short days. Like, I mean, I can remember, you know, one of the big homies having the Born and Mac tape and, and that's listening to him like, oh my God, what is this? He's, he's cussing so much. I want more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, 40 took over and 40 recorded down the street from my house. Like he actually recorded some of those records. And some guys from Seattle did his beats, like Funk Daddy and Red Wine and Kevin Gardner. So, like, they were definitely the closest thing for us of somebody that had made it. And people here just love the music to this day. I mean, like, Larry June is, like, super big in Seattle. Like, there's certain guys that will have a huge career just in Seattle, Portland, the Bay Area, you know? Yeah, there's a strong influence there for sure. And Hyro was, you know, you. I know that you did stuff with Casual. Um, right which was crazy, you know, I, I love that production as well. So, you know, Hyro definitely. Are yeah, I mean, my boy, my boy ID worked at Hyro. So, I, you know, I'm, I worked on this Encore album for them. And then when I moved down there, I would just go hang out over there. And, you know, that was kind of how some of that happened. But they have the big warehouse. I don't know if they still got that anymore. But, right. um, I mean, those were like my heroes when I was in high school. It's funny, we're probably about the same age. But, yeah, 93 to Infinity. <laughs> That, that's one of the, you know, there's not that many albums I know all the lyrics to. I probably still know the lyrics to that. Like, <laughs> I don't know the lyrics to none of my albums. Or, I mean, damn near anything past that. But right. that was, I mean, I listen to that shit so much. Amazing, yeah. Shout out to Hyro. Big fans over here. All right, second uh, question in this round. It's an illustration of a landscape with an orange and yellow sky in the background. There's a leafless tree and tall, bright orange telephone poles. What album is this? Is it Aesop Rock, Labor Days, Brother Ali, Shadows on the Sun, Talib Kweli, Gravitas, or is it Organized Confusion, The Equinox? 
it's definitely one of the top two. Um, I believe that's Ali Shadows of the Sun. I'm pretty sure. That would have been fucked up if I didn't know that, because that's really my friend. But I never looked at his cover like that, strong like that. So I was looking at that at this cover today, and it almost—it's it, a dope cover if you kind of look at it. There's a lot going on, but it almost feels like it's not quite the style that he would eventually like right. adopt. It doesn't—it doesn't look like what the music sounds like. Like I, I might have—I was like, nah, that's not ASAP Rock. Right. Um, um, yeah, I'm, gl I'm glad I got that right because he would have found out about that. He wouldn't have been happy. We don't ever want to, you know, uh, <laughs> tarnish the relationships on this game. Yeah. So that's that's good. But you know, you've done uh, you've done a project with Ali, uh, yeah. Class two, if you count like the leftovers out, right, right. Those are just some other songs we did during that time. Yeah. What What is it like working with Ali? Because and he's he's pretty picky too about he, who he works with. Because I believe you were the first person yeah. that he did right. a project with that wasn't Ant from Atmosphere. Right. Um, you know, I wanted to do something with him. He was a dope rapper. But but he was too serious. And I, I unfortunately, I didn't really get right. a lot of that. <laughs> it's just who he is, <laughs> and I love him for it. But, like, a lot of my favorite songs, we ended up using because he was so about, you know, and it, what he's saying means so much to him. And, you know, it's his message and what his fans are into. Me, personally, I don't really listen to lyrics like that. I listen to the beat and the flow. And that's what right. gets me. Um, so... It was it was interesting just seeing that even like his overall message what he was going for how important that was to him so um, you know I'm more like man does this shit make me feel good cool let's let's reuse it you know yeah and did he come to Seattle and work with you on it like, he did yeah you... he he hung out in Seattle a lot we recorded most of that here actually yeah yeah so that was That's that tough. was cool um, came in the summer asked the time you want to come and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy with him because he's one of the only dudes I know that's like lives his raps like almost too much. I'm like, damn man, you can't get no fun, no fiction, no nothing. It's like he's about living his raps. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that was like a cool foray into the rhyme sayers world as well, which you, you right. did a, a few uh, you know projects under right. that umbrella. Um. But yeah, shout out to Ali. Uh, we're going to move on to the third question in this round. What album cover is this? It's a parking lot and there's a car in the background. And in the foreground, we see a piece of a face and a hint of a beard. Is it Freeway, Philadelphia Freeway, Exhibit at the Speed of Life, King T, the Trifling album, or is it UGK, Riding Dirty? Uh, definitely a Philadelphia Freeway, who I actually talked to earlier today, so it's appropriate that he's on. That's my Freeway, favorite. Philly Freezer. Um, shout out to uh, Freeway, and yeah, you guys, that was another Rhyme Sayers, mm -hmm. uh, Rhyme Sayers project, right? That, uh, yeah. It's one of those things that, like, if you look in the whole catalog of, of his, it's kind of one of those, like, oh, that's, that's like, interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, I think at the time, like, that was kind of, like, I just thought it would be funny to do it there. I mean, me and him were already working. Um, Sadiq and I had developed a good relationship from Rhyme Series, and I told him about it, and he wanted to do it. And the funny thing is, Free, you know, he had no idea what Rhyme Series was. So, like, it was just a whole different world 
for him um, a whole different experience probably for both of us so like oh i can't hear you uh jake i think you're i think the volume went out here check 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 oh there yeah, we go yeah. Yeah, okay. someone's trying to call. Um, yeah, it was it was really dope. I think we were a little ahead because I feel like a lot of people ended up doing these kind of projects later, and it, and it wasn't as like shocking as what when us us did when we did that. Right. Um, and you know we've been working on new music, so maybe maybe we'll get another one this year. Hopefully. Ooh, yeah. Damn, son. Um, <laughs> let's be clear though. Regardless of how you feel or how we look back on, you know, if it was shocking or not. There is no way I think you would have had perhaps the dopest album packaging of all time were it not on Rhymesayers. Oh, they that, definitely... was, that was definitely them, yeah. That was, it, was, it was Brent from Ego Trip. He just came with that idea. Even when they told us, I was like, oh, that's dope. But then when I saw it, I was like, whoa, this is, this is wild. Like, and this was at a point where nobody was really wanting to buy physicals, and I'm sure it helped us sell some, some CDs with that. Yeah, I just remember my mind being blown when I saw that. And if you guys haven't seen it, I believe that they still have like the unboxing or unpackaging video. On right, YouTube. right, right, right. Yeah. Um, definitely check that out. One of the most creative uh, album packagings I've ever seen. And that, to this day still. So incredible. Um, all right. So you did pretty good on the second round. Uh, we're getting into the third round and it is called Digging in the Crate. <laughs> I should be able to do that. Yeah, this is kind of your shit. So uh, that was actually Lord Finesse just calling. So appropriate, you just play that. <laughs> I, I, Shout out to Finesse. He's not on here, but hey. appropriate and also kind of a flex, Jake. Kind of a flex. No, I mean, you know, I, I I feel fortunate to have you know friends friends like Lord Finesse, man. You know, and I feel honored that you would reject a call from Lord Finesse to stay on this uh, <laughs> right. show. So. It's all love all, all the way. So this is the sample round. So this is all going to be about samples. I'm going to play you a sample, and then we'll uh, ask a question about it. So let's go. And by the way, guys, if you have questions for Jake One, if we have time at the end, we'll do a little Q&A. So drop them in that little question bubble box thing. I see a lot of cool comments uh, here. All right. So all of the following artists have sampled or interpolated Isaac Hayes' Walk On By, except for one of them. So I will play the Isaac Hayes song, we all know it, but just to kind of grease the memory here, who has not sampled or interpolated this? What do you say, Jake? Is it Wu-Tang Clan, MF Doom, Ludacris, or Nas? Well, I know Doom had one. I'm pretty sure Ludacris had one, too, like a random one. Uh, Wu-Tang Clan? Somebody in the Wu-Tang Clan used, I don't know if, like, the group Wu-Tang Clan, but one of the members definitely had a song to walk on by at some point. Like, just it's impossible if they didn't. Um, <laughs> the, the, the law of averages. <laughs> I mean, they, they used every Stacks record known to man. So, like... Um, Damn, man, is it like a random Nas song on Nostradamus that has Walk On By I don't know about? So it's like it could be something like that, too, right? I think uh, you should go with your gut on these is what I always tell people. I'm going to say Nas doesn't have one. Okay, so we're going to go into it now. We'll listen to it. So first you had said... Uh, hold the mic. That hold Doom? The I knew that, yeah. 
then we also had, uh, yeah, oddly enough, Ludacris. Ludacris, right? I don't remember what song it was. Yeah. There you go. Super hard. So this is the moment of truth. Let's hear it. The third artist. Yeah, see? Wu-Tang <laughs> had to be a Wu-Tang thing. There's no way. But, you know, it's like, I don't know every damn Nas song. You got a lot of songs. Or every Wu-Tang song. But you just know there has to be one. You got to go with your gut. And what album just... is that from? That that is a Wu Tang uh, song. It is. Um, it's. I want to say it's like the third or fourth one. It's a. Uh, what, what is it called? It's um. The W. Yeah, I think it's the W. Okay. It's the W. All it's right. like uh, can't sleep or uh, um. Uh, it's escaping me uh, at this moment. Um, but yeah, it is the W. Yeah, okay. that's right. So that was uh, kind of hard, though. I'm not gonna lie. It's a little tricky. It's a little tricky. Listen, we can't, we it would be a disservice <laughs> to us and you if we were pitching you like oh, Jake one. It, oh, I can't man. go to sleep was the name. I would have been mad song. if I'd have missed that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we're gonna move on to the second question in this round. Lil John produced a smash single for this artist using the same keyboard patch used on Moody Man's "I'm Doing Fine." So I will play you "I'm Doing Fine," and you tell me. I know the answer, but play it anyway. We're going to play. I it just found out about of, this recently, though. So, we, as did we. Yeah. But hold on. Before we get into it, let me play the sample. Yeah. Fil so filthy. So filthy. What's the answer, Jake? C E 40. Tell me when to go. <laughs> That's so crazy. I didn't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember. Maybe after the verses thing, somebody, somebody figured that out. You can't get away yeah, with shit no more, man. There's too many people <laughs> on the internet. Snitches. I mean, does that does that affect you in terms of how you clear or don't clear records now? Um, like that, like I would say, I just, I just, man, I've just gotten really good at, at uh, you know, being tricky. He's like, it ain't whatever that means, you know, <laughs> you can read into that what you want, but who sampled hasn't got me on some shit that I didn't expect him to get in a long ass time. So, right. So they have so, they have made some ones up that didn't exist. Like there'll be some that we used all live instruments, and they'll be like, "You stole this Aretha Franklin." It's like, no, you're just trying to get me sued. But <laughs> yeah, rap snitches telling all your business. He said, um, "Yeah, somebody had told us uh, we ran this question in one of our Twitch games uh, that we do, where like everybody gets to play, and somebody said that that sound was actually a preset in the keyboard." So. We weren't sure if it's a sample or if he just happened to use the right. same patch. Um, Possible it might be in like a you know motif or some shit or yeah. whatever they're using in those times. Nonetheless, uh, mind blowing and just the dope thing about sampling culture is just you know the discoveries on these records that you think you know front and back, and then all of right. a sudden it's like. What? I mean, I would have thought you know the only thing in there would be the the part from Dumb Girl. Right, um, which I always thought was so perfect the way they threw that in there. That was really genius. Absolutely. Um, all right, we're gonna move on to the final question in this round, Jake. One, it's only love doing its thing by Barry White was sampled on a hit single by this producer. So let me uh, let me hit that sample. This is this is a little okay. tricky. There's layers here. Uh, so I'm I, I, think I, I think I know it, but go play. All right. 
Yeah, I got it. That's what I thought. What's the answer? Uh, C, Dirty Swift, Midi Mafia for, uh, I don't remember the 50, the name of the song. You might not remember the name of the song, but it's, you definitely know the song. And 21 Questions. Yep. There we go. Yeah, this is fire. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's a photo of them there. I don't know. It, it seems like a candid moment. They're also both wearing what looks like hockey jerseys, maybe, or something. I, I bet you he got a G-Unit Spinner watch for Christmas, too. <laughs> Have you gotten one of those? I did. I got, like, a, a G-Unit Spinner watch somewhere. I, yeah. You don't even know where it is. Like, you, uh, it's just somewhere. In I the, mean, it wasn't, thing. like, platinum or nothing like that. It was, like, some rubber shit. But, you know, it was, like, you know, it was tight. Cool. Yeah, I, I mean, should have that though. I don't. Yeah, I don't know where it's at. I if dude, if it was me, I'd be wearing it every day. I'd just be, <laughs> you know, I'd be shoehorning it into every, you know, like right. ride that. Um, the cool thing about uh, Fifty and G Unit in general, but Fifty is that they really were kind of early in embracing uh, not just the big name producers per se at the time. Thousand thousand uh, percent. Um, Shout out to Shaw Money, D Prosper. Um, those guys, I mean, they definitely discovered me. Um, they discovered quite a few people. Um, I feel like they used Justice League really early. Um, yes. Ill Mind, the business. They found a lot of people. And, you know, I would be up, you know, at a session with those guys for whoever it was, and they'd be playing beats. And I'd be like, who is this? I'm like, oh, these guys, Justice League. I'm like, damn, this beat's crazy. I, man, I better get better. And, like, <laughs> Um, it was, you know, that really, those guys just gave me a shot when they didn't have to. And, uh, and they did that for a lot of people. And the the crazy thing about 50 is that nobody had priority on getting beats on his albums, but Dre. So mm. he would do stuff with Dre. Everybody else is just giving your CD to him and he raps on it. He doesn't want to know who did it until after. So like it was, it was rap lottery thousand percent. Yeah. It's it's very democratic to do it that it way because he's he's not letting any biases go in. It's right. just about the music. It's really dope. But, I mean, really dope. But I'm sure stressful when you're wondering, like, damn, I really hope this. It would it would be stressful when you knew they had a song and then you're like, oh man, when are they turning this shit in so they can't take it off? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, in those days, you know, I'm trying to get my break, and that shit would really mean a lot, right? So. Um, they would have you on edge for sure. So, I mean, I, I had to be landing one of the people landing the most songs with them during those times, though, because I, I was getting on every album for a while and a couple yeah. on some of the albums. So, um, yeah, shout out to Shaw Money, you know, great dude, D Prosper, both of those guys. Man, D Prosper has a whole another career. You wouldn't even have known that dude works for, worked for G Unit. You know, he, he was up there trying to play Mad Lib beats for them. I saw the shit, you know, like. But. And they'd be like, but what's all the talking at the beginning? You know, so you'd have, like, some skit. And he's like, we just want to rap. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Sorry, but, Mad Lib. Uh, I mean, Mad, Mad Lib's done okay for himself, man. I think he's I think he's survived. I think he's bounced back. <laughs> but does he have the G-Unit spinner watch, though? <laughs> no, he probably got something way cooler than that from somebody, though. Oh, he's he's drinking out of, like, some golden goblet with, like, medallions on it. You yeah, know? Like, I, I, hope to, I hope to one day. <laughs> we'll all get there um, alright Jake we have reached the final round and the final round is called Time's Up so this okay. is our speed round right. you're going to have 90 seconds to answer 5 non-multiple choice questions in the category of your choice these are the categories for tonight take it back to 88 
keep it fat or car talk. So you get to choose which category and you will have 90 seconds to answer five what, questions. What does keep it fat refer to? It's all about uh, the word fat, the uh, the concept of fat people in hip hop. Just like uh, it's it's all about fat questions. Mm. Car talk is obviously car talk. And since you are our 88th episode, we are taking it back to 88. And those are all questions about the year 1988. 88, I was 12. Yeah, fuck it. 88, I might know. I might know. There might be some shit from 88. I don't know. Okay. All right. So let me go over a quick little subsection of rules here. If you don't know the answer, you can mm -hmm. say pass and we'll come okay. back to it. But All if right. you answer incorrectly, the question is burnt. So you got to, okay. you know, be careful about it. Um, again, I know you said fuck the chat. You, you hate fans. No. You don't like support. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but just know that it's there. All right. Um, no, I don't I want have, the chat, man. That's cheating. No, he's, he's not doing it. All right. No. And I have OC's time's up. And okay. uh, it is time to 90 seconds. All so right. when we stop hearing it, your time will be up. So, Jake, what, are you ready to do this? Are you ready I, to take it back to 88? I am. Okay. I'm going to pull this up here, make sure that I got it. All right. 90 seconds on the clock. Jake, one. Here we go. The album title and cover artwork for BDPs by all means necessary pays homage to this person. Malcolm X. Malcolm X is correct. All right. Public Enemy's second album, It Takes a Nation of Millions, came out in 88, but its first single came out the year before. What was the single? Uh, uh, Rebel Without a Pause. Rebel Without a Pause is correct. All right. This indie rapper released an album called 1988 in 2005 on Rhymesayers. Oh, shit. See, man, this is cheating. I'm thinking it's about 1988. Uh, pass. All right, we're going to pass. All right. Um, this duo's vinyl version of their 88 album marked the first double album in hip-hop. Uh, Jazzy Jeff from Fresh Prince? That is correct. Marley Marl got busy in 1988. Name the four albums that he produced in their entirety that year. Uh... Uh, Big Daddy Kane. That's one. G Rap. Okay. Uh, 88. Uh, Biz. Biz is two. Uh, G Rap is. Uh, In Control? In Control is three. One more. Uh, damn. Who's. Not Master Ace. That wasn't 88, was it? No, no. it's not Master Ace. Uh, All right. Who's Chris Shan? Shan is correct. I'm going to give that to you. You slid right in there. Right. Um, the answer that uh, I, I, I tripped you up there with, uh, the rapper Blueprint. <laughs> Ooh, I was going to guess that. Damn it. All right, I was going to guess that, though. That okay. was one guess. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, I'm going to total up your score here, but, Jake, I want you to know that no matter what happens, like a proud parent, you know, you, you did great, and you are a champion in our eyes. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm still mad about the wrestling question, man. That hurts. <laughs> Yeah, the wrestling question, uh, that, was a, <laughs> that was a curveball that we threw in there. Oh, man. Um, so, Jake, uh, and by the way, guys, if you have questions for Jake One, now is the time to drop them in the question box. All right, now look I've, at the chat. I've totaled up your score. You got 13 out of 15 correct. Now, let me tell you who that puts you in a class with. Uh, other people who have been on our show who have gotten 13 out of 15. Mad Skills. Open right, Mike Eagle. 
Scratch Matt Bastard, uh, Dante Ross, Tere, who has been in the chat, uh, Questlove, Just Blaze, House Shoes, Dart Adams, Lyric Jones, It's the Real, Big Les from Rap City. I mean, I don't want. Yeah, these, these are like my people. I, I feel good about that. The third. What, what was the other one I missed? Was it the Blueprint one? The Blueprint one. Damn, and the I should have. I should have guessed it at least. All right. Woulda coulda. Um, right. listen, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I have one final question for you before we move into questions from the, from the uh, chat here. Now that you've been on the show, we always like to ask, who would you nominate, a homie of yours or somebody that you know, who do you think needs to come on this show and flex their trivia skills? Uh, I mean, as far as who I think will do bad, I just want to embarrass them, or well, who's going to be good? I, I think who would be good and, like, somebody that, like, is a friend. Like, but I right. don't know, maybe you want to set your friends up, but, like, you know. Um, man, uh, I'll say DJ Khalil. He he knows he knows some hip hop. He's pretty good at that. DJ um, Khalil would be yeah. great. He he lurks. I got to tell you, he lurks because I see him in in our chat sometimes, and I know he follows us. Um, we gotta we gotta make that happen. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna DM Khalil. See what, see what we could do here. Um, do you have some time to take some questions? From, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, guys, drop your questions in here. Uh, all right. We got a question from our very own Steve Wonder who asks, can you talk about the digging scene in Seattle in the 90s? Why were cats so hungry for ill records? What was Seattle like in the 90s? Um, it was wide open, man, on the record front. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was really, uh, you know, Supreme. Um, I met DJ Supreme, Supreme LaRock. Uh definitely like my big brother and and really showed me like the whole thing with digging like i was buying records but it was really like oh this has an afro on the front this is funky whatever you know i was pretty generic with it um yeah. and i met him when i was like 18 or 19 and i just would hang out with him like every day after college and go record shopping and he would be like buy this buy this buy this and that was that was how i got my education on it um and I think, you know, there just wasn't as many, you know, we didn't have the internet to like, you know, take away from the records being out there and people charging a lot. So it was just wide open. It was your knowledge really put you ahead in those days. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, now it's just different. Everything's kind of known, you know, it's, it's just totally different, you know, and not necessarily in a bad way, but just um, different, just yeah. different. Um, obviously, you have a healthy record collection. We've been looking at it in the background. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you still go digging, or like, how, what is your relationship um, with buying records now? I try to. Um, I actually, I actually bought some records today because I haven't been to a record store in a long time. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It's, there's a thing where I feel like if I go to a store and you're going to charge me the most highest price that there is online, I'm like, why did I go to the store? I could just sat in my house and. Or and not have to put shoes on. Right, exactly. You didn't have to waste my time to find your good records you had in your store. Um, so it just kind of depends, you know, like I've gotten really spoiled because we go to Japan a lot and overseas and like, it's just not fair. You know, it's like, it's it's not fair. It's just, it's, it's really like just set up for you on a platter, you know, so. It's a whole different world. Yeah. That's what's up. All right, we're gonna see what else we got from the chat here. Um, all right. Uh, okay, this is an interesting one from LA Music Attorney. 
Has another producer ever taken credit for your work? And if so, how did you deal with it? Maybe, you know, we don't have to put people on blast. Right, right, right. Um, you know, there's times, I mean, especially since I started putting the samples out and stuff, um, you know, I make my own little samples and, and guys make their beats with them. And it's funny how I discover them because it's not like I'm necessarily listening to everybody's album, but like, like the other day I was on a, uh, I was like listening to a podcast and a song came on. And I was like, this is familiar. I know this for some reason. And I was like, that's my loop, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, I looked it up. It wasn't really making that much noise. I'm like, it's not worth tripping over it. I'll sell this shit again. You know? Right. Because it's not like I authorized that. So, honestly, I, I'm not about the, like, you know, bringing the lawyers out and all that. That's not really my style, so... Usually if something like that happens and there is some money to gain, we usually just go in and make a deal and keep it pushing, you know? Like, yeah. It is I don't take of, it personal. Sure. I mean, because a lot of times it, I would imagine it's not even always done maliciously. It's just that, you know, if somebody's collecting samples from a bunch of different sources. Right. They, a, then, lot, a lot of guys just don't know. They're just like, oh, I have this folder of shit. And I think the digital way we do things, I mean, I could see myself not knowing where I got something if I didn't write it down. Right. In the session, it'd be easy to figure that out. Difficult to track. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is sort of related, I guess, but from the Mecca 504 asks, will you collab with upcoming producers? Or up and coming, I guess he means. I, I do sometimes. I, it's mostly like musicians, because um, I try to get guys that do stuff I can't do. You right. Know, they're like more skilled at those kind of things. So, you know, over the years, like some of my musicians ended up being stars on their own, you know, like. G Coop, G Coop's one. Uh, Malay's another guy. They had to produce all the Frank Ocean stuff. Um, yeah, you know Sam Wish is turning into a star in his own right right now. So like, I I mean I take pride in that. You know the guys that have kind of come up under me have like really done well, and uh, you know that's you know when I get somebody their first, get them on a record for the first time, it's like exciting to be able to tell somebody that. Like I love that shit. It's like Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a couple more. Um, okay, Dom Synchro asks, will there ever be a White Van Music sequel? Uh, man, I really don't know because, you know, there was probably a point in 2011-12 that I was really working on it. And what ends up happening is I send people beats and then they just end up using them on their album. Like, there's a bunch of songs I could point out, like Acid Rain, Chance the Rapper. That was supposed to be for my album. But mm. in the end, it's like, if they have a bigger platform, it's like, how am I going to hold it for my thing? It probably is never going to come out. Like, I have four or five songs I did in 2011 or 12 that I still ain't put out, you know? Like, right. so, I don't it's, know. It, it kind of increases your, your chances of, like, having more opportunities if you do let them go off like, right. into their own vessels. I just feel like I could always make, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tricky. I think if I lived in a city where more of the artists were, I could get it done a lot easier, but... Just like bugging people, it's not my style. I'm not going to be blowing up their phone like, yo, where's the verse at? Like, nah, I'm not. It's not that serious. So, yeah. I don't know. I probably will put out more instrumental albums. I probably will do more albums with a single rapper because um, it's just a lot easier to do that. Right. But drawing like 20 people together for one project is fucking difficult. You know, I don't really even know how I did it back then, honestly, when I think about it. I was just about to ask you because, guys, if you don't like, if you look at the track listing for the White Van Music Jake One's compilation that he put out, it's 
there's multiple artists on single songs right and it's like it's a who's who of the underground but then also a lot of people that were commercial like how did you wrangle that like well that, that just seems crazy i think at the time i was like it was the g-unit era and i was working with a lot of guys and i like i remember uh mlp had that song and they were gonna use their album you know for their album and uh then whatever happened there's all that shit went in flux and i was like can i get the song they let me have it um so it was stuff like that you know and there was definitely ones i made specifically for the album the truth was a freeway song for his second album on def jam that um we just didn't finish i think he wanted to put kanye on it originally oh wow and that just didn't happen and then i of course i was like no nah, let's not get kanye let's get brother ali asking me bigger <laughs> um so i used it for my album um great song yeah, that was my favorite song on the record. That one in, in the, the record I did uh, with all the Seattle guys home, um, was that's probably my favorite one personally. But, um, yeah, you know, like, that, it's kind of that's how it happened. And, yeah, I probably could go in my computer and pull out 15 songs right now of various people. But I don't really want to do it that way this time. I don't know. Maybe I will. I mean, maybe I'll change my mind. I feel like I will probably put out songs here and there. But, like, a whole project i don't know that's a lot yeah lot. totally makes sense uh we, we got a couple more uh we'll dive into here uh, sp385 asks what's the best advice you can give on producers beating beat block do you ever get beat block man all the time i think uh once you start having any success you're always like measuring up against what your past stuff was so like it's never good enough sometimes i mean for me i just usually do do something totally out of the pocket of what I normally do. That's how Tuxedo happened. I was started making some beats. It was like no pressure. You know what I mean? It was like, I'm just doing this shit for fun. Right. And somehow that turned into a thing. And, and usually that's what I do. I might make a mixtape. Um, I might try to flip a sample that's really obvious and hide it, you know, like as a challenge. Like it's that kind of stuff, you know? Right. So just flexing different like muscles, I guess. Yeah. That's what's up. All right. Or just uh, turn the shit off and go do something else. Like, I mean, I do that a lot too. I give up on to be quick. Like, if it's not going right, I'll give up. <laughs> yeah. um, Gossip Culture asks, can you talk about your label, Funk On Site, any upcoming releases? Um, that's the label me and Mayor started because we decided to, you know, uh, try to control all our stuff 100%. Um, I don't know if we're going to put anybody else out. You know, we... A lot of people have been asking me about, uh, you know, the next Tuxedo album, but, you know, we haven't, the pandemic basically made it, so we haven't been able to get together, so. Right. I don't know, man. I really don't know. We put out a song a month or two ago, um, and I, I'm sure we'll try to get some other songs together this year to put out, but I, it's just hard to say. Um, as far as putting out other artists, I don't know, man. I, I don't really feel like a label guy, man. I don't like being <laughs> responsible for other people's, like, success in that way I, i'd rather be able to just kind of like help them and then get out the way and i feel like yeah. you're the label they could be getting mad at you over something and i don't really want that that place right because the label gets blamed the label yeah i mean you know shout out to my boy amir blame the label you're blame the label exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not just a clever I've done name it many a time you know shit yeah don't want to voluntarily become the automatic scapegoat for uh you know there's no guarantees when you're putting out music that it's right. going to hit or not. So that right. makes sense. Um, listen, Jake, 
thank you so much for coming on the show. Like, this was great. I think we all got a lot out of it. We had fun. You, uh, you know, you shared a lot of knowledge. I wanted perfect, man. I'm pissed. I thought <laughs> I was going to get 15. Listen, get in line. There's a, we've only had three people that have gotten a score of 15. We've had uh, Mr. Len from Company Flow. We've had uh, Head Crack, uh, and uh, we've had DJ Skiz. Uh, Damn, Skiz? All right. Yes. All right. Congrats yeah, to so, him for that. That's ill. Well, we're, we're going to do like a championship at some point, and we'll see if we can get people co to come back. We're, we've been trying to tinker with the format and see like maybe on Twitch or something. We, we have like head-to-head. -head. Like maybe, you know, you guys can uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll put somebody up head-to-head, -head, man. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not worried at all. It'd be like, it'd be like DMC or something for me. Or, yeah, it's like the new era of, like, the Scribble Jam, DMC, something like yeah. that. Um, thank you so much. Again, we appreciate it. All right. Peace, guys. Peace, Jake. Thanks again go out to Jake One for appearing on the show. What a cool guy. I'll be back next week with something new for you. Uh, something interesting, blast from the past, and yet a new chapter. Ooh, is that vague enough? Anyway, I guess you'll just have to come back and see what I mean. The Questions is a member of the Stony Island Audio Network. The show's theme is by Zarism and Midas the Beast. I'll see you next week. Peace. Stony